There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in Astro orbit. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted into the year. What a shot. I'm Vic Ragupathy. I'm Jacob Wessels, and today we are joined by my stepbrother, Noah Averick. Noah, how are you? I am just the best that I have ever been and ever will be. Thank you, Jacob. So today's theme is making the case. So we're each going to make a, a Hall of Fame case. I think we've got two baseball players and a football player on the docket. A catch away from an all-time NFL mark of 21 in one game. Will he get it here? He's got the record. Does he have a first down? He laterals. Still won't be enough. Here we're going to switch up sports and we're going to hear from our lauded and esteemed guests. And I have heard this is a much anticipated uh, yeah. induction. And because so, there's been a secret going on multiple weeks now. I've had to hear this around my house. That <laughs> there is a secret player that I have not been able to guess. Vic and I have both placed the guess. Our guess is the same person. And so we will see if we are correct. We know the position and we know roughly the era, but that is all that we got, got to go off of. So all we know is that it's a wide receiver from our lifetime. Correct. Yeah, so Jacob and I both have guesses, but if you, if you have stuff you want to say. Yes, so I decided when I was requested to be a part of this episode, I wanted someone everyone would know, and I did not want anyone to know who it was. So this has been a secret to everyone. And along the way, I would like to know your guesses. However, to start, because you guys have guessed who the same person is, I would like to guess who your guess is. All right. My guess for your guess would be Steve Smith Sr. No. You're wrong. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's fine. That's fine. You want to hear our guess? No, no. After I read the statistics, then I want to hear your guess. Actually, Noah, can you, can you just like walk out of the room so we can say our guest to the podcast listening audience so that we no, trust our credibility? Although you are right next to me, so I might have to okay. go a little further than right out the room. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, make sure he does like a la, 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 la. Okay, podcast listening world. We believe that his player is Anquan Bolton. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And I love, I love hearing the Hall of Fame case for him. So I hope this it is. is like this is like the perfect. He, no one thinks of him as a Hall of Famer, but he kind of is one by the stats for sure. Yeah, and it's great. He played for the Cardinals, and so you know, you just did like you, no one it's is perfect. More it's than perfect, him. and we're right. You can come back now. Yeah, you got. It's got to be. It's got. I am like so confident you don't have it. It's going to be either awesome or terrible in this side segment that we just yeah. had. And I will note, I, I, don't, I can't speak for Jacob, but this was a guess that I, at least I came up with, like, without, like, researching wide receivers. Oh, I came up with it completely independent. I was thinking, I legitimately thought, this is the guy who it probably is. Yeah. And so right. we'll see. We'll see if our, our guts came out right. So, so first and foremost, I wanted to illustrate that this man was not considered a shoe-in Hall of Famer. So I was like scouring Twitter, scouring YouTube, discussing this player and his Hall of Fame status. The only major network or program that picked it up was Skip and Shannon. <laughs> Shannon said he had a 10% chance of making the Hall of Fame. And Skip said he had a 0% chance. And the fellow on YouTube said he had a negative percent chance. So <laughs> fuck that guy, okay? And I'm shocked that it made it to a major network, but they did it because, as you will see further, he had a very 
unexpected great season later in his career. So here are some of his statistics. So he played from 2006 to 2018. I think we're wrong, Noah. I think we're wrong. <laughs> All right. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> well, if you're already wrong, then, then that's good for me. Now it's forge ahead. All right. So all time, he had 970 receptions, which amongst wide receivers is 14th ever. So in front of him, just to put some context around that, were 12 Hall of Famers or shoe-in Hall of Famers and Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden was our guest. Okay, that was one of the people that popped into my mind when I thought you guys were thinking. It was that, Steve Smith, and Andre Johnson were my three Andre, guests. I didn't think Anquan Bolden was going to make Skip and Shadow. I was going to say it's only, he's too boring even for Skip and Shadow. I was going to say the thing, that we, the thing that made me doubt it at first was you said Shannon gave him 10%, and I feel like Shannon Sharp would have like, been like, Anquan Bolden, you know. Ain't no problem. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. I, I, Ain't no problem. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yes, he is 14th all-time in receptions. He had 12,351 career yards, which is 20th all-time amongst wide receivers. Above him are 17 Hall of Famers or Hall of Fame locks. He also had 83 touchdowns during his career, which tied him with Calvin Johnson for 20th most of all-time among wide receivers. So he's – Top 15, top 20, top 20 in all three major statistics for wide receivers all time. And a little more perspective, there are 29 receivers currently in the Hall of Fame and about two or three, I would say, shoe-ins. So he's greater than about 30 to 35% of already Hall of Famers, statistically speaking. Yeah, so he's not an inner circle Hall of Famer, but he certainly should be in. Correct. So throughout his career, he had six Pro Bowls and one first-team All-Pro, which in this generation was, was pretty hard, I would say. Um, and so this is the, I think this is a very interesting part. I'm going to move on to his records. He has the single-game record for most receptions at 21. He has the most games ever with 15 or more receptions. Yes, you have your guess already? Right? Yes, but continue. Okay. I'm going to guess. Most seasons ever with 100 or more receptions. And it makes sense that he would be on Skip and Shadow. I mean, I'm on my guess. Continue. Sorry. I just am excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess. He has six 100 or more yard rece reception seasons. And he is the only ever player, and this is what might give it away. He's the only player ever to have a 1,000 yards and a Pro Bowl season for four separate teams. Jake, would you like to guess? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I forgot your 2018 fact. Yes, he ended his career in 2018. So I had another guy who ended his career in 2015. I'm not even going to talk about it because it was a dumb guess. Right. Oh, wait. I think I know. I think we had the same guess. Is it Wes Welker? Is it Wes Welker? Yeah. Wes Welker was my guess. So you guys are on one line, and I am just a bull in a china shop wrecking everything. Oh, sorry. Brief Wes Welker interlude. Wes Welker played kicker in 2010. Like I, I remember him making a play or for like a. It, he's got he's got his positions listed down the depth chart, listed down his football reference page, and it goes wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, all the way down. And then in 2010, it goes kicker slash wide receiver. I, I do recall him being. I think. I think he kicked it like an extra point. No, it was a field goal. I think a short. Yeah, goal. he did. In 2004, he kicked a field goal. 
Yeah. Um, he hit the, a 20, a 25 yard, a 29 yard field goal and three extra points. So I guess their kicker got hurt and Wes Welker came in. I've always been a huge Wes Welker fan. And in fact, his numbers did pop up, do pop up again in this segment. But I'm going to keep giving you clues because you're going to keep having guesses and it's going to be miraculous. All right, so the first thing I said, he had 13 seasons. So, like, the Hall of Fame case might be that he just accumulated these stats. <clears throat> just over time, he had a lot of, you know, seasons to make all-time numbers. Yeah, but longevity is an important part of football. I agree, but I just want to list some things about the 13 seasons. In his rookie year, he started one game. And in his last two years combined, he had started in seven different games. So eight games over three years. So he really hasn't played since 2016. Re- yeah, yeah, I would say, but he was in the league for two separate teams in 2017 and 2018. Okay. All right. And over those three seasons, he combined for 600 yards and one touchdown. So he did nothing his last two years because he was playoff hunting for his Hall of Fame resume. And in his first year, he did, really didn't play at all. So the 10 years that he did play, which is like a normal wide receiver career, he was absolutely absurd. Okay, so the next question might be, and this is where you should get who this guy is, was it because of his quarterback play? I said he was in six different teams. Two of those were at the end of his career. So he had four main teams he played for. So he had to have had some good quarterbacks. His quarterbacks were Ryan Fitzpatrick, who he had a Pro Bowl season with, and debatably the best season of his career. I know who it is. It's not Eric Decker. I know it's not Eric Decker. I know who it is. Okay, good. I got it. Matt Moore, who he had a Pro Bowl with. Chad Henney, and here's where it should come in. Kyle Orton, and it's, then Jake. Yep, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's Brandon Marshall. It's confirmed. It's Brandon, is Brandon Marshall. Top 15 and top 20. Oh, my God. <laughs> No one would ever expect uh, yes, Brandon uh, Marshall as a great top 20, top, 20, top 15. First on Thank you. I, really, I do appreciate it. So going over his quarterbacks, yes, he had Eli Manning in 2017 while trying to play off Zeke. That was, the, that was basically the version of the Eagles dream team where they had Odell, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Brandon Marshall, Saquon Barkley his first year. It was like, boo, I think it was Saquon. It might have been the, the year before Saquon. But that was like, boom, they're going to have weapons, weapons, weapons. And Eli Manning, horrible. <laughs> he sucks. I hate – well, I respect him for beating the Patriots. I really do. But he really is in the hall of he's okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Sidebar. Yeah, sidebar. 2007 and 2011. Who are, you for, who are you rooting for in those Super Bowls? Um, in the undefeated Patriots season, I was rooting for the Giants. See, I kind of got, like, chirped at school because I was, like, it was second grade, so I wasn't, like, able to, like, be, like, I don't care who wins. You know, I'm watching as a football fan because I was in second grade. I was choosing someone to root for. I rooted for the Patriots. First off, a perfect season is cool. I don't particularly like the Dolphins, so I would like to see a perfect season. Second off, I can't root for the Giants. I just just can't. I cannot find any bone in my body that would – be okay with rooting for the Giants, even if it's the Patriots. I don't care. Well, first of all, first of all, I know many Dolphins fans who are going to be offended by that statement. And also, as the GM of the Madden Dolphins, I am also very disappointed in that. I also, I just said that I don't have a particular connection. I don't care about it. I'm kidding. 
Secondarily, um, I rooted for the Giants because that was the first time that someone explained to me what an underdog was. Like, as silly as it sounds, I didn't really understand that, like, some teams were better than other teams. I was just like, oh, some teams win and some teams lose. And, and that's how sports are. And that was when I first realized there was, like, actual like, differences between the quality of teams and like, there were, like, underdogs and favorites. And I, I really grasped that notion of, like, it's cool that there are underdogs and I want underdogs to win, which is why I rooted for the Giants. But I have an even separate thing from that. Eagles fan my whole life. The most important and one of the first important football game I ever watched was the Super Bowl in the 0405 season, Eagles Patriots, and I watch us barely lose. And that is when my hatred, absolute hatred for the Patriots, like the Giants, I'm sorry, like have never really like disappointed me as an Eagles fan as much as that moment, that first moment. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They, I, that was my first important football game. I was old yeah. enough to watch that. So now I'm gonna now I'm gonna chirp the Giants with my favorite Giants stat. I really did not become a huge football fan until like 2012. Like I watched, I was mostly a baseball fan until 2012, and I started following all the sports. So like I knew about Eagles. I watched the Eagles games, but I wasn't like into it until like 2012. For literally the entirety of my football watching life, the Giants have been a non-factor. The, the Giants have beaten the Eagles like twice. Yeah, I started yeah. rooting for We the get the Eagles. moment, but it pisses me off because we get the moments, but they have four Lombardi trophies. Like, we I, get the mirror the Meadowlands. I just, like, any time a Giants fan, the Giants start, when the Eagles were horrible at the start of their career, it, up until like the 70s, the Giants ran up a huge margin. They have like a 20-game advantage over the Eagles in their head-to-head record. And in football, overcoming a 20-game deficit is really hard. And over the course of the 2010s, the Eagles have not only made up that deficit, but this year when they swept the Giants, they passed the Giants. The Eagles now have the advantage in the head-to-head. It's unbelievable. (laughs) The Giants have blown a 20-game lead. That's all I'm saying. My My favorite or least favorite Giants stat personally is that they're five and zero in NFC Championship games? They only they like they reached it five times every single time they've gone to the Super Bowl. Good for the, good for the Giants. I'm just saying, Giants fans, you really let this one slip against the Eagles here. If you they just they break through in certain years, and those years they just go. They just they they make the most of it, and I hate that. Because yeah, they're kind of like the, the Giants is making MLB, honestly. It's like the even year magic but a little bit less frequent. Yeah. Well, well, besides my hatred for the Giants, for Brandon Marshall, that was one of the most inconsequential years of his career. What I would like to talk about is because we've clearly seen that having his quarterback or the longevity of his career influencing his stats, there was none of that. I would like to compare him to someone that everyone in our era idolized in Calvin Johnson. Without a doubt, the most dominant wide receiver I've ever watched. Including, I, I love Julio, I love DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, AB if he wasn't off his rocker. But Calvin Johnson is the most dominant player I have ever watched from the wide receiver position. And he did cut his uh, career short. So he played from the 2007 season to 2015 season. Throughout those years, 2007 to 2015, 
two surefire Hall of Famers, Calvin Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. Absolutely, I would say. That's my opinion. I would say surefire. 100%. Compared to those two, all time in the big three stats, receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns, Brandon Marshall was first overall in receptions. So this is Calvin Johnson's entire career. And just Brandon Marshall aligned with it. These years, Brandon Marshall led the league in receptions, and he had 123 more than Calvin Johnson. Brandon Marshall was second in the league in receiving yards, first being Calvin Johnson, third being Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald was also third on the receptions list behind Wes Welker, who that's why I said he would appear again. And in terms of touchdowns, Calvin Johnson, again, number one, Brandon Marshall, number two, Larry Fitzgerald, number three. So in all three stats, Brandon Marshall is more than Larry Fitzgerald and barely less than Calvin Johnson, except for receptions, which he dominated. So how big was the difference between one and two in touchdowns over nine seasons? Over nine seasons, it was six touchdowns to Calvin, 600 yards to Calvin, 123 receptions to Brandon Marshall. I did not know Brandon Marshall had so many receptions. Like, the fact that he had, like, a lot of 100 reception seasons is crazy to me. I just don't think of him that way. I think of him as kind of more of a big play guy, not a 110 receptions a season guy. No one appreciates this because the beginning of his career was definitely a rocky, rocky road. Right? Like, I, I did insult A.B. for being a little bit of a head case earlier. A.B. is the only person tied with him in 100 reception seasons and might might end that way if since if ab keeps doing what he's doing but here's where the the brandon marshall haters stepped in all right so he was arrested for trespassing resisting arrest and assaulting an officer in 2004 and then he was arrested again in 2005 for stealing bed sheets from a burlington coat factory um so while <laughs> a hilarious arrest i'm gonna go Jameis Winston's crab legs theft will always go down as the greatest theft in the history of professional football. And now, recently, DeAndre Baker's theft might go down as the most absurd theft in the, uh, in the history of He might not have done it. He might not have done it. Of NFL football. But I'll tell you what. Nothing has brought a smile to my face than the thought of Brandon Marshall walking into and out of a Burlington Goat factory with a bundle of bed sheets. Yeah, that... It's actually, I don't know if it's as entertaining as the next one. In 2007, I believe his rookie offseason, so after his rookie year, his father tried to run him over with his car. Interesting. Another noteworthy thing. And then he was arrested for a DUI during his 2007 season. In 2008, there were three domestic violence reports. This is all before his third season in the league. At which point he had rookie year, did nothing, and then 2,000-yard seasons. His, after this, he had three domestic violence reports, which resulted in a three-game suspension. And in that year, he still had 1,000 yards, but more on the off-the-field issues. From 2008 on until 2011, there wasn't much. However, this was what stood out to me the most. In the 2011 off-season, so right before the 2011 season, Brandon Marshall was stabbed by his wife, which this, the same wife which all of the domestic violence reports are, have been throughout. 
And it was proved apparently, I don't want to go into the report, but proved that she was the aggressor in the situation. I don't know what that looks like. Brandon Marshall is 6'5". I don't, I don't know. She stabbed him. You would think, at least I would think, all right, stabbing is going to have an effect on your career. It has to, statistically speaking. The two years after his stabbing, 1,200 yards, 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns, 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. So I'm not sure the stabbing actually hurt him. I think it helped. One theory, one theory I, I've thought of is that maybe he just like pictured in his mind running away from his wife as he had the ball. <laughs> We've learned from Flash School Boris, guns, no, no. From Brandon Marshall, stabbing, that helps your crew. And Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce has proved that too. So if you right. want to become great at a sport, get stabbed. However, a more, I would say, lighthearted way to look at this is that after he was stabbed, he had zero off-the-field issues from that point on until the end of his career. So like I said, it followed up with a 1,200-yard season, 1,500-yard season, 1,300-yard season. It could be that this was the start of his comeback trail. He had no more off-the-field issues. He was away from his wife. He had all of his demons as actually... Skip Bayla said, since they're dear, dear friends, he had demons, he conquered them. Chicago, 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 all these great seasons. Mark Trestman comes to town. Mark Trestman year, Brandon Marshall turns 30 years old, has 700 yards in 13 games. Everyone's talking about he's 30, end of his career, get him off like he's done. He was, you know, he had a small comeback after being stabbed. He's a head case, no one wants him, whatever. That's a 720-yard season for the Bears. Next season, gets signed by the Jets. The Ryan Fitzpatrick, Todd Bowles, playoff-driven Jets. They fell just short at 10-6. and six. Brandon Marshall, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets, with Todd Bowles, a defensive head coach, has 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. I love that Jets team. That was such a fun team to watch. That was Brandon Marshall, Chris Ivory, Eric Decker. Oh, yeah. You know who was on that team? What's his name? Zach Stacy. He's a oh. for the Rams the, like a year or two before. Yeah. yeah. Studs. Absolute studs. That's one of my favorite non I, – I want that team to make the playoffs so bad. Occasionally I invest myself in a, in a different team that's not the Eagles just because I just think they're so much fun. That Jets team was one of those teams. The Dolphins team a couple of years later with Tannehill was one of those teams. I, I agree with you. I love, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Great. I, I love him to death. Harvard man does he, not act like one. When he put on Deshaun's clothes for that press conference, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And Deshaun didn't know. That's the best part. If Deshaun knew, yeah, fine, whatever. Deshaun's idea, maybe. Deshaun came out shirtless. He was like, why are you wearing my clothes? And then his response to a reporter, because I just watched this today, they're like, did you borrow all of that from Deshaun? He was like wearing necklaces. Like, he goes, yeah, I borrowed everything but the chest hair. He was a, a phoenix of chest hair popping out like luxurious. Like, I don't know if you guys are barstool guys, but Dave Portnoy, people like kind of point out his like little teeny thing of chest hair. Like, it's like a phoenix. Imagine that but like everywhere, just like popping. It was un unbelievable. And this, oh, he's, love that guy. And Eric Decker, he's, I mean, 
I hate to say this, I love white receivers because like they're so few. But I mean, he's just so good for like. I mean, I just. I, it, it, That's why we think Wes Welker was going to be your your make the case. Well, and also Julian Edelman is also Jewish, so that could have even been a, a sneak peek. But um, and Eric Eric Decker's wife is an absolute smoke. I mean, just give props to the guy. I mean. You thought Bobby Abreu got smokes? Hey, Eric Decker locked one up. I wonder how I wonder how Alfonso Soriano was doing. Hey, you know what? You might have to look it up. But here comes the downfall. So after that season, so at 31, as debatably the most impressive season of his career, it's kind of hard to follow that hype up. After that season is when the Skip and Shannon clip came out, and people gave him like a zero percent chance because of his off the field issues. Another issue was that he has never won a playoff game his entire career. He's barely ever been in the playoffs. Yeah, especially in this day and age. Our, it's, it's a quarterback – like, that's what quarterbacks get judged on. To put that on the whole offense, I mean, if you're going to start Andre Johnson and the Texans, never did squat. They had one year where T.J. Yates started a playoff game against the Bengals on a 4-15. No one cared. And then Calvin Johnson – Oh, when's the last time the Lions were good? Oh, never. Like, two of the greatest wide receivers ever. You can't judge those people on playoff wins. They're, they're weapons. Great. They can help. Eh, I don't want to hear it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a counterpoint. Please. Most wide receivers do not have a direct impact on their team not making the playoffs. And in 2015, despite Brandon Marshall putting up the insane stats that he <laughs> I'm sure you guys may remember this. Maybe if I jog your memory, you will. Maybe you will not. Brandon Marshall kept the Jets out of the playoffs by costing them a week three win against the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's the thing I will say. Despite that, they could have won week 17 against the Bills and gone in. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. Horrid, they, would, they would have beaten that sorry Eagles team if it were not for Brandon Marshall attempting to throw the ball backwards to nobody while getting tackled on a nothing play in the middle of the game right into the arms. Was it Nate Allen? Let me try to find this play. I, I do recall. I, yes, I, I will not say he was the smartest player around. However, this is one of my favorite football blunders of all time. I mean, it is just... It's shocking to watch. And this is the kind of thing that never happens to the Eagles. It's the kind of mistake the Eagles always make. Well, do you remember this year's playoffs? Josh Allen, playoff game, does the same thing. Hopes, like, thank God for them it goes out of bounds. I don't know what, like, in the moment you're like, oh, my God, if I can get this to another player and not go so, down, it could be the best play of all time. So I, so I don't – I'm going to give him some – I actually don't hate the idea. I just don't think you can do it. Uh, one of the things that I always – give running back shit for is if you're a running back and you're being um and you're being run out of bounds right like like run, you run out of bounds behind line of scrimmage i've never understood why running backs don't just flick the ball out right it's a no-brainer play but i just think when you're in the moments it's um it's uh it's tough <laughs> brandon marshall i found it it took me a minute he threw the ball off the helmet of connor barwin and then it was recovered 
by Eagles legend Jordan Hicks, who I, you know, was a big fan of. Oh, huge um, fan. He was beat. You were four Eagles around him and no Jets. I mean, it's a terrible play. But the SB Nation article that I just clicked on to get this highlight is, in all caps, Brandon Marshall calls his dumb lateral the worst play in NFL history. And the subhead is, this was a very, very bad idea. That's, that's, I will, you know what? At least he had the self-awareness to say it himself. You know, <laughs> I was just trying to make a play. Probably the worst play in NFL history. That shows pre-stab, post-stab Brandon Marshall. Wow. So, that play, he doesn't admit to it. Guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's the play that costs the Jets that game that they lose by a touchdown. If they win that game, the Jets are a playoff football team. My, so Brandon Marshall directly prevented his team from not making the playoffs. He didn't, you know... I, I, you know what? I, I receiving I, yards be damned. I, I think it is, it is too early in the season to say that. However, but what I will say about Brandon Marshall: the last two years of his career, ages thirty-three and thirty-four, he heard the noise. He heard the no playoffs. He heard the you've never really done anything with a good team. So he goes to the Giants. You're supposed to have all the weapons. Giants suck. He goes to the Seahawks in 2018. He's 34 at this point, which is not his best. I mean, he's he's not – like, I, I compared his stats to Fitz. He was not as what, – what's the word for a lot of stamina? Whatever. He wasn't as longevitous. If that, that's not a word. But he's longevitous. We'll use it. I mean, Seattle, he plays seven games, 11 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. And then he decides to finally hang it up. But to quickly summarize, I mean, being top 20 in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, top 15 in receptions for wide receivers all time, having four individual records, and making a Pro Bowl and having a 1,000-yard season with four different franchises, four different quarterbacks, those quarterbacks being Kyle Orton, Jay Cutler, Matt Moore, Chad Henney, Ryan Fitzpatrick, because Chad Henney and uh, Matt Moore cut a season in, in, in two with the Dolphins. Being able to do that on any team he was on, despite the off-the-field issues, having cleaned those up, saying, oh, he's done, he's done, he's done, he's going to the Jets, he's done, 1,500 yards. I mean, I think the three seasons, his first, his last two doom damage, his, statistically speaking, no doubt Hall of Fame, off the field, I mean, he, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, a horrible off the field career until 2011 when he was stabbed. Comes back from a stabbing, has a second reckoning, best portion of his career. No more off the field issues. I don't th- and everyone on the Jets thought he was a great teammate. That was a knock on horrible teammate. Jets. Of all places, the Jets love him. And he has 15. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm still on the uh, the football reference page for this Jets team just because I you know, brings brings back some memories. Um, what an unusual season! They had two guys who had over a thousand receiving yards, and literally nobody else who could catch a football. Like they they had they had Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, and the receiver with the next highest number of receptions was twenty two. You wanna you wanna hear how hard uh, that must be like the highest percentage of receptions to come from two guys on any team like ever. Like they had, they had 362 receptions as a team, and basically 200 of them came from two guys. You know, another interesting thing about a team he was on: 
the Tressman Chicago Bears. No Alshon, no Alshon yet. That didn't explain the, the downfall. He was the number three receiver. Number one was Martellus Bennett with like 900 yards. Number two was Matt Forte with 800. And Brandon Marshall had 700 and whatever he had, tw- uh, 21. Mark Tressman offense was tight end running back. And uh, maybe I'll use our best player, Brandon Marshall. Like he has been in bad situation after bad situation on and off the field. And despite that, is top 20 in all major stats for any wide receiver ever. I think one of the things that hurts uh, Brandon Marshall, and I didn't quite get to this with Alfonso Soriano, but I think moving teams really does hurt your Hall of Fame resume. I think when you move teams so often, you have to be really, really, really good for people to think of you as a Hall of Famer. Because... I think that it's kind of like one of those arguments that they use when they're like college players shouldn't be paid is that the team you're on helps to build your brand beyond what you're able to do on the field, right? So it's great that Brandon Marshall can put up 1,500 receiving yard seasons, but like when you have a fan base that like adores you and loves you and it's like you're their guy, that really helps to push a narrative, right? And that really helps to build a brand. And, And for Brandon Marshall, like that is like kind of the case in four different cities, but it also means that he doesn't have one city that he's like attached to at the hip. If he goes into the Hall of Fame, whose uniform is he wearing? Like his best season was with the Jets. His worst season was with the Bears, but probably his second two best seasons were Bears. He started his career in Denver, but that's where the off the field stuff happens. Like it's tough for me to like say Brandon Marshall, the great you know, Jet. It's Brandon Marshall, the great journeyman receiver. I understand that. I do. Um, I would say he had large enough chunks with some, like Denver, he was four years, and Chicago, he was also four years. Or no, he was three years. But the thing that happened was the regime change in Denver led, I, oh, I can't remember who, what, co- it wasn't John Fox, was it? I don't know. But they, their whole raw, like a lot of the same roster from that Denver team just reunited in Chicago because they had troubles with the ownership. So there was like a big problem there that wasn't necessarily the players, and there's a huge reunion from that Denver team in Chicago. I'm, that's what I, I'm taking this actually from part of my take Jay Cutler's interview. Um, but that, that is my case for Brandon Marshall. Yeah. I think the other thing is you – sort of touched on this, how many fantastic receivers have we seen, you know, in our lifetime? Right. It's a long, long list. And so it makes you wonder, like, which ones are going to make it? Which ones aren't going to make it? Like, you know, when you talk about the Steve Smiths, the Anquan Boldens, you know, the Andre Johnsons, you know, all those guys that were really, really good in just a generation of really good receivers. Yeah. Especially with, I mean, our offense this decade has been juiced. I will say that. However, against the decade, he, he's, you know, his only competition is Megatron. You heard it all laid out there. We made the case. A little bit of everything. Some classic toy cannon cannon crime stories. Uh, a little bit of uh, smoke show wives, but also stats that are just too good to ignore. So good stuff. Noah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's episode seven. We'll see you next time on Toy Cannon Cannon.